0: Thank you, Brother Joel. I don't know why Pastor didn't have Joel. He should have known more about it maybe than I do, but uh, uh, we'll go ahead and try it anyhow. I do thank Pastor for allowing me to, to uh, teach uh, this. I've already I've learned so much in this, uh, in this study, uh, and I'm going to give you whatever I believe God's given me. Uh, there's only three chapters in Joel. And I've got, if I've calculated it right, and usually I'm a little long-winded, but if I've calculated it right, we'll get done sometime in the February. <laughs> so there is just so much here, and, uh, you know, if you, if you come to study the Word, that's one thing. If you come to just read it uh, and go to the house, then that's another thing. But we're going to study the book. Amen. So turn your Bibles to the book of Joel. As we get started, you'll notice immediately that uh, uh, my son and I have two different styles of preaching and two different styles of of teaching. And so you'll just have to get used to whatever I give you because I may change in in the middle of it. Who knows? But in the book of Joel, start with verse number one. That's always a good place to start. Amen. I'm not going to give you a lot of background because this is, I'm just kind of getting things set up uh, this evening and we'll get into more background and, and things like that as we go along. But uh, just we're just going to start right off verse by verse, chapter by chapter and go from there. That's the way I learned uh, when I first got saved and that's, that's what I've done all my life. It keeps you from going on just rabbit trails. There, there's so much there that you just really don't seem like you have time to cover it all anyway. But if you're just going to preach what you want, you, you just grab a verse and you just go, go sideways with it. But I want to really get you in, involved in the Word of God and its importance Uh, And hopefully by the end of this evening, uh, you'll see that importance. In Joel chapter 1, in verse number 1, the Bible says, The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Uh, We'll just go ahead and stop there, amen? (laughs) Father, help us. Lord, calm my heart. Lord, help me to bring what you've taught me. And Lord, that it might be a blessing uh, to each person listening tonight. Ask God that you would be with Pastor and Lord, his family, and Lord, they might have a wonderful time there in Oklahoma and bring them back safely to us. Lord, bless this study throughout our weeks and our, our Wednesday nights that we might truly learn some things from your word. And Father, that you would get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. In this passage, it seems like just, you know, people go through this and they say, well, that's just introduction, let's go on. This passage, if you don't get a hold of what we're going to talk about this evening, uh, you probably won't even be here for part of it. Because you'll be out gallivanting or doing something else or finding an excuse not to come. Because as we get into it, we want to look at the author first. Notice it says the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethiah. The word of who? The Lord. It's not Joel. This is the word of. So many times I hear students and I hear different people all over the world. They say, well, you know, this is not applicable to me. Uh, God's word is always applicable to everyone in every generation. Now notice he says the word of the Lord. Forty-three times it says in the Bible God said. One hundred and forty-one times the Lord spake. Two hundred and fifty-eight times the word of the Lord. God is the author of this book. And if we get a hold of that and we really believe that, then we'll take a look at this study a whole lot different. It'll be important to us. We'll we'll not want to miss. Not because I'm preaching or not because pastor is preaching, but uh, it's the word of God. And that's what we need in this day and age is the word of God to change our hearts, to fill us uh, with his wisdom. Notice the the word Lord there's in the capital letters. Normally that, when it's in capital letters, it means Jehovah. And that's the term that's used here. 6,528 times in the scripture, the word Jehovah is mentioned. And it got, I was really curious about this sometime back. And as I began to study it out, interesting, what I found in in Exodus chapter six and verse number two, the Bible says, and God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. He said, I am Jehovah. Now watch this. And I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob. By the name of God Almighty. That's El Shadel. The power is what he was referring to. But by name, my name Jehovah was I not known to them. Jehovah God is the author. And what he's saying is I can do and I will do. You have my word. You have my name that this is going to take place. And as we get into some of the prophecies and things that he mentions, and we'll follow it through to the book of Revelation, to the book of Acts, and all different places, God says, I will make it come to pass. We talked about in our about prophecy castles, about there's about 2,500 prophecies, and about 2,000 of them have already come to pass exactly the way God has said. And there's no doubt or no reason to believe that the other 500 will not come to pass exactly that way. When you begin to get into this, the theme of the whole book is the day of the Lord. But there are more than one day of the Lord, as we'll get in later on as we get to it. But I want you to understand that this this is God that is giving us something. And so often in the minor prophets, we just read through them and and we don't have any clue what they're they're all about. We're talking about God's name here. Now remember, he said, hallowed be my name. Hallowed be thy name. In Exodus 20 verse seven, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. He starts it off simply by giving us his name. He appeared to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob through his name. When they spoke the The name name of God, it had weight. It had power. And that's why I want you to understand, this is not Joel's message, this is God's message. And so as you read this, and as you study this, and as we, we listen and, and go through this, understand this is not just Joel, just some prophet just throwing out some stuff. He said, this is the word of Jehovah God. This is the word of the Lord. Remember he said, I'll not hold him guiltless that taking his name in vain. He appears to man through his name, not just in the Old Testament, but to us as well. In John chapter 17, and verse 6, he said, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me. Jesus manifested the name of Jehovah God to his disciples. I wonder how we are manifesting God's name. I hear people all the time, Christians, say, oh, my God. Oh, God. And then they will realize, and they say, oh, excuse me. Do you realize what, what, we, what we do? That is the name of Almighty God. The Jews would not even, would not even verbalize his name. It was so holy. And he says, when, when, when we don't reverence his name, he said, I will not hold you guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And we flippantly throw God's name out there in conversation and, and just kind of as a filler or something like this. We, we, we've got to be careful about that. So, well, I didn't mean it. Well, then stop it. <laughs> just don't do it. Uh, How do we manifest his name? When when we use the name of God, what do they see of our God in us? When we're using that name, do we bring them to the throne of God? Do we show them an awesome, a holy, a, a powerful God? When we use God's name. That that should resonate. Something. He wants to show himself. He said I appeared to thee. By my name. And so as we get into this. We're talking about God and his word. Now it says it goes on and says that came to Joel. The word of the Lord that came to Joel. Joel was not. It wasn't his word. He was just the messenger. Joel means Jehovah is God. Evidently, Joel had a godly heritage as they named him uh, this name, Jehovah is God. Uh, very little is known about Joel. Was Joel special? Yes. Joel was special, but he said, or or in in my outline here that I put together, I asked myself, why would Joel be special? Because he was a holy man of God. Now, how do I know he was a holy man of God? Because the Bible says back in Peter, the holy men of God were moved. These prophets of old, they spake in old time by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit of God called them to do a certain work. You go out in, the, in the, the different rallies and I don't call them services because they're, they're not, they're, they're, they're a joke. And all these guys claiming to be prophets and things like this and, and, and they're prophesying and all that. Problem is, they're not holy men. God's not gonna use unholy men to bring his word. God don't need the drunks. He didn't need the devils. They said, well, we'll testify for you. God says, I don't need your testimony. God uses holy men and women to bring forth his word. He was special. He was called by God, and he yielded himself to God. He had a great responsibility. Uh, when When I was thinking about this, I thought about my son. I'm not a pastor anymore. My son is a pastor. I wish you could all understand how difficult it is to be a pastor. But I'm up here shaking in my boots right now. Because I'm trying to convey the word of God. And that that is an awesome responsibility. I may say something that might offend some of y'all. I hope not. I hope I don't offend you. But when God gives you his word, sometimes it's going to grate. Sometimes it's going to convict. Sometimes it's going to bless. And the pastor, if he's going to be the man of God, has to preach the whole counsel of God. That's what the Bible said in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 27. He said, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Joel Osteen can't say that. Why? Because he said, I will not preach against sin. I'm, I'm not going to do this. He just says what makes people feel good. He's not a prophet of God. He's not a man of God. You see, you shouldn't name people. Jesus did. Paul did. Peter did. If you don't call out a skunk, they're not gonna get, you're not going to know who they are until they get up there and then they smell real good. I hear people listening to these people all the time. Some of the people that I that I hear in conversations that that folks are listening to—it's no wonder people are so confused because they're getting two different messages. When a pastor preaches and, and and God convicts your heart, you ought to thank God for that pastor because he's he's doing what God said, and if it ruffles some feathers. That's good. That's good. He didn't didn't call a man to make you comfortable. He called him to preach the whole counsel of God. Joel had great responsibility. God used men to bring us his word. And we are, as men and women, to take that same word of God and go out and proclaim it to other people, to all the world. Joel was a prophet And just as we get into this so that we get get on the same page, a a prophet was a spokesman for God. He spoke in God's name and by his authority. You see in Exodus 7 and verse number 2, thou shalt speak all that I command thee. It was God's word going through those prophets. He's the mouth of God by which God speaks to men. In Isaiah chapter 51 and verse number 16. Isaiah chapter 51 verse 16 he says. And I have put my words in thy mouth. That's why this is not Joel's word. He, Joel didn't know anything about what he's talking about. Very little. Some of what he, he refers to. But most of it was all future. And he had no concept. This was God's word. Coming through the prophet Joel. We mentioned. For 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 20 and 21. Knowing this first. That of no prophecy of the scripture. is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time. By the will of man. But holy men of God. Spake. As they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You have a prophet. He is giving. God's. Word. But there's two aspects of prophecy. First, the foretelling of the future, and we'll get into the foretelling part, but the prophets also proclaim God's message of known truth. They're still considered a prophet. You see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 3. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Those that were prophesying, they were there comforting people. They were there lifting up the people. They were exhorting them, challenging them. They were preachers of the word of God. Had nothing to do about the future. They were simply proclaiming the word of God. There in, in verse number 31, it says, for ye all may prophesy one by one, that all may learn and that all may be comforted. The When we think about a prophet, they're not just somebody that's telling the the future. Some of the things they say is already known things. They're reminding people. They're taking the word of God and they're giving them the sense of it. They're, They're letting them know what's going on and what God wants. Then when the word of God was revealed, as the prophets would reveal the word of God, and it was completed, the prophets and prophecy stopped. Now I want you to get a hold of this. Because there's so many Christians I find. Independent Baptists that are so confused. They say well these folks down here in the, this church. They're speaking in tongues. No they are not. Well I heard this guy on the TV. And he was prophesying. No he was not. You say how can you say that? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In 1 Corinthians 13, look with me in verse number 8. It says, charity never faileth. But, conca, but there's a contrast here. He's contrasting something that never fails and he's going to show you something that does fail. Okay, now watch this. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall what? Failed. You ought to underline that in your Bible. They shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall what? Cease. Cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now let's look at that. Let's break it down a little bit. Supernatural revelatory gifts were only temporary and given to bring the word of God to man. The word of God was coming through men, just like it did with Joel. God would speak to them, give them his word, they would give out the word of God to those people. He did it through the revelatory gifts. These are supernatural gifts the supernatural gift of prophecy to be, to be able, able to foretell the future. The, the, the gift of, of tongues is to take that in a language and immediately give that word of God to these people that did not have it in that language. For those that we're talking about the, the, the knowledge That's not intellectual knowledge. That is the knowledge to be able to understand mysteries. That was a supernatural gift. Let's look at them here real quickly here. The supernatural revelatory gifts were used to bring the word of God. Now get that in your mind. They were there to bring the word of God. He says prophecies they will fail that means the terminology means to render entirely idle and useless notice in that verse number eight they were just getting parts of the future at a time they they didn't get it all at once Uh, that's why they got the book of Joel, that's why they got uh, the prophecy uh, in, in John. That's why they got stuff over here in Isaiah. They were getting them in pieces and parts. And you'll see that as we go along. But tongues, he says, will seep. It means to stop, to restrain, to quit, desist, to come to an end. I remember over in, in Uganda the one of the ladies came and was I was dealing with her in my yard and she's big in the charismatic movement and I said, You speak in tongues? She said, Oh yes. And I said, Okay, do it. You really want me to do it? I said, Yeah. She goes. Uh, it started. I said, "That's not a tongue. First of all, you're not speaking my language. Your the message is to get to me, not to somebody that whatever you're speaking there. So that's not of God." I said, "Secondly, if you want me to speak in Espanol, I, Espanol, un poquito in It's immediate. Why?" Because God gives you, you don't have to get in a little trance or something like that to give somebody uh, the word of God. And she never thought of it before. And it totally threw her out in left field. These tongues would be spoken on the spot. And they were to relay that unknown word of God. To the people, it's a revelatory gift. Then the knowledge it says it'll vanish away. This understanding of mysteries in Romans chapter 11 and verse 25, he said, "For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. Notice, he's talking a bit about a mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Behold." In verse number, or chapter 1 Corinthians 15, 51, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. What was happening? These were things that had been hidden that God had there all the time, but He says, now I am revealing them to you. So that the church knows that the Jew and the Gentile are going to get together and be one body. He talked about it in the Old Testament, but the Jews didn't get it. But Paul says, I'm going to show you this mystery here. It's about the rapture. He said, We'll not all sleep. We'll all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. He said, we're going to heaven quick. <laughs> That's a mystery. They didn't, they'd never heard of such a thing. Knowledge, when they talk about on some of these TV programs, the word of knowledge, they're claiming to write Revelation 23, they're saying the Word of God's not complete. They, God has to give more. And they're under divine inspiration giving more. That is super, super dangerous. Because God said, Whoa, if you add to or take away the Word of God, I'm going to give you all these plagues, all your name will be taken out of the the book of life. That is serious stuff, people. So when we're dealing with the word of God and and, and the the prophet Joel in this prophecy, I want you to really get a hold of this and understand that we are talking about the word of God. Now, how do you know all these things will cease? Well, verse number nine, he says, for we know in part. And we prophesy in part. Only, we only had partial understanding. Paul says, "You see, First uh, and Second Corinthians hadn't been written. Neither had First and Second Thessalonians, or, or, or Ephesians, or Galatians. None of these things had been written. They were getting them in parts. Okay, what were they for? What were these gifts for?" Revelatory gifts. They were revealing the word of God. God was giving forth his word to man, and they're writing it down. So at that time they only had partial understanding of these things. They said, Paul said, we're getting bits and pieces. We're getting Jonah and, and Micah and John and 1 Corinthians, all that piece at a time. Verse 10, or verse 10 here. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. The same terminology that he used up in the other verse. But the question comes then, that which is perfect. What is perfect? There's only two things that are perfect. Jesus Christ and this book, the word of God. He is the living word This is the written word. Perfect means, it's teledos. It means full grown, mature or complete. What is he talking about? I personally believe that he's talking about the word of God. God. I know some people, they say, well, when Jesus comes, uh, then that'll, you know, that's when the perfect comes. It cannot be that because of the grammar. Because of the word and and the way it's it's structured and everything. Uh, How many of you speak Spanish? Okay, a couple of you. I used this in my prophecy class the other night. Cuando lo que viene. Okay. Lo is neuter. It It is an object. When I would say, cuando el que viene, el is masculine. And he knows I'm referring to a man. If I say quando la che viene, it's she is coming. The terminology in the scripture is in the neuter gender. It can't refer to Jesus Christ, or it would have to be low, or it'd have to be in the masculine gender. But it's in the neuter gender, quando that which is perfect, that object that is perfect is come then that which is in part, all those revelatory gifts will cease. Why? Because the Bible is complete. You don't need more prophecies because he's given us every one that we're supposed to have. You don't need tongues anymore because we can read it from the word of God. We don't need somebody to speak in our language. We translate it into a language. We don't need any of the revelatory gifts. We don't need a word of knowledge anymore. Why? Because God has shown us the mysteries through the apostle Paul. So those revelatory gifts, when the word of God was completed, all those stopped. So we don't need to be looking for something else. Notice, that which is in part... In other words, there, when there's a specific time that that's going to be coming, it shall be done away. It's the same term as used, vanishing away or fail. All that's going to stop. The word of God is complete. It's finished. Do not add to the word of God. I had a young man ask me the other night concerning this. When people start saying they're speaking in tongues, when they start saying they are prophesying, they are saying what Joel said in verse number one. They're saying, I am divinely inspired of God to say this. They're claiming divine inspiration. And that is a serious, serious matter. Notice in chapter 20, or in 2 Timothy chapter three, verse 16 and 17, he said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, completely furnished unto all good works. If this is not complete and we need more, then God lied. Because they weren't thoroughly furnished. They could not do all the good works. It was not finished. But God said, no, no. They've got everything I want them to have. I want you to understand that what you hold in your hand is the completed, finished word of God. And we can trust it. We can rely on it. It has stood the test of time. And you could write volumes of books on how it's been preserved and all the different things. But when we get into the book of Joel, I want you to get a hold of this thing. We're studying the the word of almighty Jehovah God. And the things that we're going to say is not just something that we should just take flippant but we should take real heed because a lot of what he says you're going to see, I believe, in your lifetime. And I'll show you why as we get into all of this. He goes on, he said in verse 11, for when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. But we don't, we don't go out there and play with tinker toys unless our grandkids are around or our kids. We go out there and, and get two by fours and two by sixes and build a deck, amen? Uh, men are mature. They're not out there playing games, they're making a living. Uh, children speak f- funny. They don't understand uh, most things. And that's why as they mature, they grow older. When they become a man, when they become complete, they put away those, those childish toys and things like this. Uh, men, on a general sense, have full understanding. <laughs> uh, there's some of us that need a little help in that area. So when the word of God was completed... We don't need prophecy anymore. We don't don't need need time, we don't 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 need the word of knowledge. What we need is to pay attention to this book and study it. In verse number 12, he says, for now we see through a glass darkly. Paul was saying right now, when when all this is going on, he says, we're just getting bits and pieces. We don't have the whole message. We're, We're not seeing it clear yet. But then, when it's completed, face to face. Now, I know in part, but then, when it's complete, I shall know even as also I am known. What we need to do is study the book of Joel and see what God wants us to know. But if we're just looking at it in a casual manner and just thinking, well, this is just another book that a prophet wrote then we're not going to look at it in the way that God wants us to. And I want to really bring your focus and your attention to this this fact. And when you get into it, I'm telling you, this will absolutely excite you. I've already thrown out, I mean, I've got, I've probably got 40 pages of notes on three chapters, and I've thrown about 10 of them away. (laughs) Now let's look at the son of P.L. Uh, Pethuel. He said the word of God came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Joel was the son of Pethuel, means persuaded of God. Evidently, obviously, he had a godly heritage. Uh, you know, be careful when you name your kids. Really. Names mean something. Wagon seller. I guarantee you somewhere back there somebody was selling wagons. <laughs> Carpenter. That's the way they did, that's what, that's what they did in the scripture. The son of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so. Uh, all down through the history, names used to mean something. And, and I think we've gotten away from that. We ought to be careful when we name our kids. I know people who've named their kids Satan, you know. Uh, we, we, we changed the name, the name of, of our, our grandson. grandson. They brought him home from the hospital and they, they were gonna call him Satan. But when the, in the Luganda, when they would pronounce it, it was Satan. And so they said, we're going to have to change this. So we changed his name. We all got a meeting. He changed his name to Skylar. <laughs> what does this do, this name, Pethuel? All it does is it separates him from the others that were, no, were named Joel. There's over 12 other people in the Bible named Joel. And so they used their father's names to distinguish which Joel they were talking about. Just like uh, your last name or something of this nature. Uh, it's the only appearance, only time that Pethuel is in the Bible. We know nothing about him outside of the fact that he was the, the father uh, of Joel. Now, so what, what, do we, what do we learn from all this? I mean, we, you know, we've. We've not really got into the word of God, that first verse. I mean, we could go on, but, and I've skipped a lot even then. But, so what do we learn? Jehovah, God, is the author of the book of Joel. That should get our focus and our attention. He's trying to reveal himself to us. That's the way he did with Abraham. That's the way he did with Isaac, Jacob all the way through and that's the way jesus said he did to his disciples through that name so as we see that and we're going to see a lot about the lord in here uh we need to understand the 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 gravity uh, when he uses that name he it could have been el shaddai it could have been uh, jehovah jireh it could be there's all kinds of names that he uses but he He does to emphasize a specific part of his character. And this character, the the term Jehovah here, Eshadel, it's that I not only can, but I will do everything that I have promised in this book that he's writing to us. Now, we've also learned it's the very word of the Holy Spirit because it said Holy Spirit is the one that moved these people. So what does that mean? That means the Holy Spirit is Jehovah God. You have the intertwining of the Trinity. He said this is Jehovah's word. The Bible said the prophets in the Old Testament spoke by the Holy Ghost. They are that Trinity. Then the Holy Spirit will never lead you to go contrary to his word. If he wrote the book, he's not going to tell you one thing and you a different thing. He's not going to write something here and then tell somebody else to do something the opposite. God, the Holy Spirit, is going to lead you to do exactly what he says in the word of God. So when you're dealing with people and they say, "Well, the spirit of God led me to do this," or "The spirit's leading me this way," you can, with all confidence, say, "I'm sorry, but that's not the that's not the case." Why? What? what why am I har- harboring on some of this? And this is this is why, because I see Christians that they just let people go. That you know, we want everybody called call the President out on some things. We want them to call, uh, call our Senators out on, on different things. But we don't call anybody out on things. Things that we know are right, but we say well I don't think, no. Tell them the Word of God. Show them the Word of God. Don't let them just keep going in their, their false concepts and their, and their, their misunderstandings. Straighten them out, bring them back to the word of God and say, look, this is what the Holy Spirit wrote and this is what you said and it's totally opposite. It cannot be. Benny Hinn in one of his revelations said that a woman was designed by God, he got one of them words of knowledge on TV, we've got it recorded, that the woman is to give birth out of her side. That God is the greatest failure of all. And he's one of their big prophets. You cannot let people just go and and not challenge them on these things. But if you're not confident that this book is complete, you won't stand you have to know this is God's word, and it is it is complete, it is sure as we said here. Now, God also used a man to give his word. That's what he's gonna that's why he's gonna use you. He's gonna give you that ability to give the word of God to people. That's why he said, I give you the Holy Spirit, to give you power, that you might be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria uttermost parts of the world he wants you he's chosen you and I to be that witness now if Joel had great responsibility on him to give God's message even though they didn't like it God give us that responsibility of getting the gospel to the rest of the world whether they like it or not that's up to them but we have that responsibility if Joel would have failed in his responsibility, we would not have the book of Joel. We'd have a mess. Then he's using prophecy to teach both Judah and us. He taught Judah and some of it was for them. But some of it, as you'll see probably next week, it goes on beyond that. There are actually four different days of the Lord Parts that we'll talk about here. Uh, and, And that's very interesting as well. And then there would come a time. When those revelatory gifts like prophecy. Would stop. When the word of God was completed. Revelatory gifts stopped. There is no such thing as a prophet now. There is no such thing. As tongues. Now. You say, well, if somebody needs the gospel, don't you think God could give it? God could do anything. But I'm telling you what, I've been out there in the middle of nowhere. And I have begged God to give me tongues. Because those people were lost and probably never see the gospel again. And I begged God to give me tongues, something that I can get the gospel to them. And I had to leave. What should our response be to God's known revelation called Joel? I think we should read it. I think we should study it. I think we should learn from it. And I think we should honor it and obey it. Now, you can't do that just by coming on Wednesday night. Okay? You say, you sound like a professor. Well, I am. And I'm going to give you an assignment. Now it's up to you. uh, Whether you do it or not. I'm not going to check on you. I'm not going to ask for a read. How many of you read it? I want you to read the book of Joel. It's only three chapters. It won't won't take you just a few minutes. But before next Wednesday. When you come. Because we're going to really start getting into some stuff. I, I want you to read. The book of Joel. Read it prayerfully. Ask God, I want to know what this book says. I want to know what preachers are so excited about. And then make it a point not to miss one Wednesday night. I've canceled meetings already. I canceled one just the day before yesterday. Somebody's wanting me to go preach a mission conference. I said, no, I'm going to be here because I'm I'm going to be teaching the book of Joel. That's how important I believe this is. I'll be here, sick, dead, dying, providentially hindered, I don't know, but I'll be here, but I want you to prepare, prepare for our study, as you pray and ask God, God, I, I don't just want to be another Wednesday night, I just don't want to just be flipping about this thing, I really want to know what you're saying, much of Revelation, much of Acts, many of the other scriptures are based on the prophecy that we're going to get in the book of Joel. When he started the church, everything comes from the book of Joel. And so it's going to be a really exciting study. Okay? But understand, this is the word of God. And we need to pay attention to it. We need to be faithful to come and be here. Yeah, we could watch on the TV, but there's something about being in God's house and being here where where, where it's taught. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, it's the word of the Lord. Lord, you gave it to Joel, and Joel gave it to us. And Lord, we want to honor that. We want to be faithful to look, to read, to study. Lord, to be faithful that we might learn what this book is all about and how you work in our lives. Oh, Lord, we, we miss so much. Bless us now. Keep each one safe as they return to their homes. Lord, just be with pastor. Keep them safe on their travels bring them back to us in Jesus name. Amen. Joel.